Hey, my name is Ryan McVitie, and I am the pastor of the River Worship. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. If you haven't heard about the river yet, it's an amazing move of God happening in the greater Toronto area. Yes, Toronto, Canada. It's a cold place, but we have warm hearts, and we love coming together every Tuesday night and worshiping the Lord with all we've got. We also get to dive into the Word, and that's where we're going to go right now. We're going to dive into the Word of God, and I trust and pray that it will impact you in a powerful way. If you're ever in the Toronto area, come visit us. We would love for you to worship with us together. But enjoy the message, and God bless you. So that's what I want to talk to you about tonight, just for a few moments, before we give our tithes, our offerings, and worship Him more, is trust. That topic of trust. What I have found in my life is that the hardest part of the Christian walk is trusting God in a season of ambiguity. Trusting God while you're waiting. It's easy to trust God when you're on the mountaintop, when he has come through for you, even when you can see it. You know, you're not there yet, but you can see the promised land. It's easy to trust, but while you are waiting, When you're on the journey and you cannot yet see the destination, it is hard to trust. And tonight is giving week, and and what I want you to understand, I want to teach you a little bit about giving. Giving is not about money. Everyone thinks it is. Giving is about one thing, it's about trust. It's about trusting God, and it's a tangible way that we really can trust God. So I want you to know more about it. And to do that, we can't look any other place than in the Word of God. Because what Ryan McVitie says is worth a dollar on the best day of week. But the Bible, the Word of God, never returns void. Anyone believe that? The Word of God never returns void? Then let me show you a scripture verse that you know so well. It's from the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 5. You can say it with me if you want. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Come on, look to your neighbor and say that. All your heart. All your heart. And here's where I struggle. You ready? Here's where I struggle. And lean not on your own understanding. Because sometimes Ryan McVitie thinks he's smart. I got a law degree. I know what to do. I lean on my own understanding far too much. Verse 6. In all your ways submit to him. That's trust. Submission is trust. Put in yourself below. And guess what he will do? He will make your paths straight. He will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But oh my, oh my, lean we do. Lean I do. How often in my life do I limit God and limit what he can do because I'm still leaning on my own understanding? Because I told you before, he's going to do exceedingly above and beyond all that you could ask, think, or imagine. When you think that is your understanding, and when you're down in the valley, and you can't understand the way that it's going to work for your good, what do you do? You lean on your own understanding, but the Bible says the opposite. The Bible says to do the opposite. The Bible says to trust. My prayer tonight is that we can renew our trust while we wait. See, I've waited a lot in my life for a lot of things that I've prayed for. And I used to think this is what I had to do, that I just had to pray a little harder, pray a little more, ask God more, maybe ask him better, ask for the blessing better. 
But what I've since learned is I don't need to ask more. I need to trust more. And someone in this room needs to hear that tonight because you've been asking and you've been asking, but, but it's not the blessing that you need. It's the trust that you need. Because the peace that comes from the trust surpasses understanding. So then you don't have to lean on it. But trusting is the real key. Because here it is. If you really believe that your God is good, that your God is all-powerful, and that your God is for you, then you know for fact that he is already working it in your favor. That he's already working it for your good. So you don't have to pray for him to turn it for your good. He's already doing that. What we have to learn to pray for and to live out is trust. Trust in that season while we wait. Because River, hear me when I tell you this, the level of your trust will determine when you see the destination that God has for you. The level of your trust will determine the when you see the blessing that he has for you. I don't know if any of you are like me and you're a little bit directionally challenged and you like using a GPS. Who's directionally challenged? Let me see them all look at those tr truthful people. Who put the River Worship or Canada Christian College in their GPS today? Be real. Come on. Yeah, there we go. You've been coming here for weeks and you still put it in. You're like, it's raining. I couldn't see. I used the GPS. Right. Cool. Me too. How many of you know that when you're driving and you miss a turn, your GPS doesn't change your destination. It stays the same. But do you know what does change? Your ETA, your estimated time of revival. Revival. Was that prophetic? The estimated time of your revival? Instead of arrival? Maybe it was, or maybe I'm just dumb. I don't know. Your ETA will change, and it will update. But God is faithful. When he speaks a promise over your life, you can't change it. Some of us think that, you know, we can mess it up and we can screw it up. And you can't change the promise, but you can certainly change when you see it. That's what I want you to know tonight. So what it's all about is learning the trust. See, the destination he has for you has already been promised. He has good plans over your life. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans of a peace and a hope and a future for you. Anyone in the room believe that? That's step one is believing that. He has good plans for you. But can we trust him along the way? In fact, I think he tells it to us better. He says that he has already prepared a table for you. Even in the presence of your enemies. There's a good church lady up here. Give it up for her. Even in the presence of your enemies. The table has already been set for you. The question is, can we trust him on the journey on the way there. How many of you know when you book a dinner reservation at a nice place? I love steak. Anyone love steak? Anyone love steak? If you're vegetarian, please come back to the river still one day, okay? I just, judge me if you want. I like beef, okay? So maybe if I want to go somewhere nice, I might go to somewhere like the keg. Like, oh, great. Get a good steak there. Go get a good meal. Enjoy that. How many of you know the journey to the keg doesn't look like the keg? I mean, when you're sitting on the Don Valley Parkway, Lord Jesus Christ, help you. When you are parked on the Don Valley parking lot, when you're praying to the Lord God on the 401 that you may see another day in the express lanes, 
That does not look like the table which is prepared for you. But you keep driving there. You keep going there. Why? Because you set your focus on that steak that you're going to eat and that dessert that you're going to have and that bread with the three cheese butter that's bad for your cholesterol. That's what you're thinking about. Two people know about that and they're laughing. It's good. I'm not sponsored by the keg. I wish I was. You think about the destination, not about the journey along the way. So here's the trick. The trick is, can we trust God on the journey when he has already determined our destination? My pastor recently preached a sermon, and he did it a little bit different. He said this, and I think it's so wise, because he's older than me. He's wise. He's got gray hair. You get gray hair, you instantly get wise. Any gray-haired people in the room? There's some wisdom in them. Let's go. <laughs> Someone went like this. He's like, I die it sometimes. I'll be there one day soon. There is so much wisdom in what he said. He said this. He said, what we want is confirmation before commitment. But that's not the way the Bible works. The Bible works this way. You commit, and then he confirms. And that, my friends, is the exact picture of this thing that we call trust. See, we say, God, show me where you want me to go, and then I'll go there. Just show me who my husband is going to be. Just put him on my doorstep and just tell me exactly who he's going to be with a nice big shiny rock and just let him get down on one knee. That's not how it works. We commit to living a godly life worthy of a godly husband or a godly wife. And then the confirmation comes in the way of the blessing. And that, my friends, is called trust. Because what we do is the very first thing we do is we trust him, not look at the destination or the blessing. We seek him first, and that is a good thing because Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, you've heard it before, says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Will you catch the most important part of that? But seek first not just seek. Don't just seek. No, 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 no. The first place you go has got to be his kingdom, his righteousness, trusting him first. But what we do so often in this life is we seek everything else, and then it doesn't work out, and we seek God, and we go, God, why has it taken so long? I think sometimes our father is just saying, seek me first. Come first to me. I have what you need. The table has already been set, my daughter. That mountain has already been moved. I'm just waiting on your trust. And it's no different when it comes to our finances, my friends. So I just, I got to show you a little exercise. And after this, we'll pray together. I want to show you how Ryan McVitie got tithing wrong for most of his life. And you got to understand some context because I'm not new to church. I am a fifth-generation PK. Who knows what a PK is? Pastor's kid, preacher's kid, you're wrong, both of you. It's a poor kid. Exactly. Also a preacher's kid. There's usually a direct correlation. I'm a fifth-generation PK. I have been in more churches than you can count. I've been in hundreds of churches. You would think I would have got the concept of tithing by now. But it took me years to get in. I think I may maybe finally have it figured out. So I just want to show you. So I brought something up here. Some cold, hard cash. Nothing gets attention like that. Every eyes in the room was like, 
boom, right away. Half y'all were texting, and now you're just looking at me. I brought some cash up here, and I want to show you, and like, this might be funny, but I don't mean it to be, because this is how I live my life for the majority of my life, how I've worked my finances towards God, and I'm, I'm happy to show it to you because I learned the hard way. See, I would look at what God has given me, because who here believes that everything you have comes from your God? Amen? Anyone? Anyone? Okay. That's good, because that's step one. If you believe you've earned it and you deserve it and he had nothing to do with it, the rest of this exercise is pretty useless. Everything we have comes from our Father. So I would look at what he's given me, and you know, I'd be a responsible adult, and I would do something. The first thing I would do is I would pay my bills. That's important. That's what you do when you're in your 30s. You pay your bills, right? 20s, you just get uh, student loans. You pay your bills in the 30s. So you, my dear friend, can you stand up real quick? Put you on the spot. Uh, give it up for Emma. I actually know her. She's a River Worship Diploma student, but she didn't know this was going to happen. Okay, they're acting like they like you, but they really don't like you because you are bills, okay? You are utility bills, your electricity, your mortgage, your rent. Everybody hates rent. So no one likes you, so because of that, you get that money. So have a seat. Keep that, okay? So that's what I would do first. I'd go, okay, I'm going to pay my bills. And then after that, the immaturity in me would come out. And I'd see the new shoe drop because I'm a shoe guy. And I like shoes, right? And I'm like, okay, well, I got this. Who wears some nice, I need some nice kicks. Who's got some kicks? My G here always has some nice kicks. Stand up, bro. Stand up, stand up. So you're my new kicks. He actually has kicks that cost a lot more than this bill right here. But I go get my new shoes, right? I paid my bills. I did my job. Now I get my shoes so I can be looking, be looking fly, you know. Have a seat, bro. Have a seat. Give it up for him, Mr. Shoes. And then, you know, after that, I, um, I, I would have to be entertained because, you know, I got all this spare time, as if I have spare time, and, but I used to, and I'd need subscriptions, right? So I need Netflix because, I don't know, maybe I like Stranger Things or something like that. So I'm not saying you like Stranger Things. I, I really don't even know you at all, but you're, you're Netflix, okay? So I'm giving that to you, bro. You're, give it up for Netflix. Everybody give it up for Netflix. But then someone told me about The Mandalorian, and it seemed pretty dope. It seemed pretty cool. So, you know, I need Disney Prime, too. So I don't know you, Disney Prime? Disney Plus. It's Amazon Prime, right? Shows you I don't have it. Okay, you're Disney Plus. Give it up for Disney Plus. Get up for her, okay? Oh boy, I'm starting to get low now though. I don't have much left. And um, now though I'm more mature and I got a girl. So you know, I can't be taking my girl to McDonald's all the time. So you know, we're gonna go somewhere nice like the Swiss Chalet. That's a nice fancy date, right? That I get you married. Stand up, girl. Come on, you know who I'm talking to. It's only you. We're going to the Swiss Chalet. Maybe after the river. We'll see you there. So, you know, now I gotta, I've taken her to the Swiss Chalet because i got to do that, right? She, I can't be cooking all the time. we got to do that. we got to do that. And then, oh, then, I stayed up too late. And I got work in the morning. So now, before I go to work, I have to go worship at the Church of St. Arbucks. You heard of St. Arbucks? Okay, you're St. Arbucks. That's borderline blasphemy. It's just Starbucks. You're Starbucks, okay? That's 10 bucks, which barely buys you a coffee at Starbucks. But, but you're Starbucks. And then, now, I got, okay, I'm feeling pretty good. But I've only got this left. And I had all that. And now I just have all this. And I started with over 250 bucks. But now I've got 10. And I go, but you know what? My God is pretty good. He's a good, good father. Run to the father. Nothing else will do. 
he's going to do it again. I've seen him. His promise still stands. In fact, he's the resurrected king, right? So, you know, I just, I got to give. Uh, but, but, you know, I got to save a little bit because it might be a rainy day. Uh, you know, okay, God, here, take this. Okay, you're the church. No, you've already got money. You're the church. Here, take this. You're the church. There you go. There you go. Okay, I did it. I did, I did it. I feel good now. I did it. It's great. And I saved a little bit for a rainy day. And there we go. I did it. That, my friends, and all that ridiculous drama that you could have done without, that is how Ryan McVitie tithed most of his life. Here's what I want to tell you about that. That is not trust. In fact, that's also not a tithe. You know what that is? That's a tip. Hey, God, you did pretty good this month. Here's a little money for your bride, the church. You know, here, here's just a little money. You were pretty good this season, so I'm just going to reward you. And here's a little bit of what I had left over. How many of us are praying for pour over and for our cup that will runneth over, but giving God leftover? Shouldn't have come to giving week. Should have just came to the live recording next week. Let's be honest. But let's be real, because that's the conviction that I had. God, I'm praying for more than I could ever ask, think, or imagine, and I clapped for that a moment ago, but I've just given you a little bit of leftover. But don't worry, I sing, or, you know, I, I do this, or I do that. This is how I tithe for most of my life. But you got to understand, an offering to your God, the Bible calls it your first fruit, that it should be the first fruit, that it's not you know, we talk about, there's a lot of debate, is the tithe 10%, this Old Testament number of 10%, but again and again, the Bible talks about it being your first fruit. And today, when everything's expensive and gas costs a million dollars and a house you can barely get for a million dollars, it's hard to give 10%. But are we giving 10% to God or is he letting us keep 90? That's the question we have to ask. Where does it come from? That little goofy exercise was not trust it was a tip. Here's the problem with tips. Tips are performance-based. How many have ever had a bad waiter at a restaurant or a bad server? Anyone? You know? And you're probably a good person, so you probably still gave them a tip. I hope you didn't just walk up and give them nothing, because that's messed up, okay? I mm, got a vent. I knew a Christian who was a wonderful man of God. He would go get a hundred dollars. My dad's laughing because he knows who I'm talking about, but I'm not going to give you a name. He would go to a restaurant and drop $100 on a dinner. And you know what he would leave as the tip? A loony? $1? Oh, but because he loves them, he'd also give them a Christian track. <laughs> Learn about Jesus. Here's your $1 tip. That's the worst thing you could ever do, my friends. That person is never going to look to Jesus. You're not a good testimony of that part. But tips, tips at restaurants, tips are performance-based. Do we treat our God performance-based? Like in seasons when he's good to us and we have an abundance, then we trust him. But in seasons when we're in the deficit, we, we then don't trust him. We then just tip him instead of trusting him, instead of tithing to him. And this all may sound convenient to you coming from a pastor on giving week, but you got to understand that giving is not about money. God does not need your money or my money. He created the universe. If he wants to do it, he can do it. He doesn't need your $10, $100, or $10,000. Here's what he needs and wants, your heart. It's what he's always wanted. From the Garden of Eden till today, what he has always wanted is 
your heart. But the book of Matthew chapter 6, a little bit earlier, it says something different. It says that your treasure is where your heart lies also. That's just from Christ. That's not an Old Testament prophet. That's from Christ telling us that your treasure is where your heart lies also. What he wants and what he has always wanted is your heart. So the question when it comes to giving is this, can we trust? Can we give to him first? Can we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and then trust that all will be added? Or do we need added first and then we'll trust him? Do we need the confirmation first before we will make the commitment? What you have to understand, my friends, is that the more you trust God, the less you will worry. And here's why I don't mind preaching so hard to you about giving week. Because I don't want you to live a life filled with worry. See, when we don't trust God, especially in the area of our finances, guess what? We just worry about our finances. But when we trust God, what he gives us is a peace and he adds all those things. Matthew 6, 27 says this, Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? That's what Christ says. By worrying, can you add a single hour to your life? Worrying can't add anything to your life, but something can, and that's called trust. Trusting in God can. Letting him have your whole heart, all of your heart. Jonathan, you can play those keys because we're going to give in a moment and go back to worship. Guys, would you stand with me real quick? And I'm just going to tell you a little bit about what we're going to do right now. We're going to worship, and we're going to do it through song. We're going to be singing but we're also going to do it with all of our heart. So we're all going to give. And look, if you can't give, please don't think I'm forcing you to give. I'm not. But what I would love for you to do is to trust. To trust God with your whole heart and to lean no longer on your own understanding. So the worship team is going to come up. And we're going to sing a little bit, but, but it, it's going to look a little different than maybe what you're used to. We are all, every single one of us, row by row, ushers are going to prompt you in a moment when I say, we're going to go to the giving stations. They're lit up. They're yellow in the middle of the aisle. We have a plan. Don't worry. Ushers are going to grab you. We're going to walk there. And when you get there, here's what you need to do. you got to give them the envelope that is on your seat. Could everyone check out the envelope that is on your seat? You don't have to give in the envelope, but there's something special on the bottom of that giving card. It says this. It says that my prayer for this next season is, and here's what I want you to do. As we worship and you wait for your turn, I want you to go to the Lord and ask God, what is it that I need to trust you in this upcoming season? For some of it, it's going to be our finances. For some of us, it's going to be the name of a loved one that we're trusting God will bring them into relationship with him. For some of us, it's trust that he is going to free us from an addiction that we've been fighting. That he's going to end our loneliness and our depression. I don't know what it is, but when you get there with your gift prepared, which you can give online, there's a graphic that's going to come up behind me on the screen with the different ways that you can give. There's a QR code that you can scan. There's an e-transfer email address that you can go to. It's all going to come up in a moment on the screen behind me. Um, 
or you can use the card. You can fill out the card. But when you get to that station and you drop that in, there's some wonderful people of our leadership team here who are first going to say thank you, and then they're going to bless you with a gift. They have a, a wooden placeholder and a card that we call a prayer card. And this is something that you get to keep. And that word that you put in the envelope, whether you're giving or not, whether you give to this ministry or you just choose to come and not give to it, fine, we'll still take you always. No problem. We're going to pray over you every single day. That's a big commitment for this next season. We are going to pray on your behalf for that word, for that person, for that thing, for whatever it may be. We are, we're not going to tell anyone about it. We're not, none of that. We're just, our prayer team is going to be praying literally 24-7 for you. And then you're going to get this card. We're going to give you this card. And I challenge you to write down that thing you've been praying for. Put it in the nice wooden holder that we're gifting you. And put it on your desk. Put it on your night table by your bed. Put it at your desk at work. And let it be a reminder every day to you to trust God in that area. And keep it there because a year from now, when you look back and you see that word that you haven't looked at for months because life got busy, you are going to see how Jehovah Jireh, your great provider, has made a way for you in that area. You're going to see the power of trusting in God. So that's what we're going to do for a moment. And I would ask every single one of you, whether you are just completely against the idea of giving in church and you don't want to do that, that's totally fine. We're going to ask you row by row. The ushers have come into place. They'll lead you right after I pray. But we're going to ask you all to get up so that the others won't be blocked in and get this prayer card. Bring your tithe. Bring your offering. Put it in there. I really appreciate this as a pastor because we're taking a big leap of faith next week with this live recording. And you've got to understand, we don't know how it's going to go. We don't know how we're going to pay for it. But we're believing God will make a way. We're trusting him with it. So I'd ask you tonight to worship him with your words as we sing in a moment. And we've got a lot more worship left for you. And through your giving and your generosity, trusting in your God. So let's pray together for a moment and then you'll have a minute to fill out the information. Father God, thank you so much for every man and woman in this room. Thank you for bringing them here to the river, Lord. God, thank you for showing up in their lives week after week in a tangible way here, Lord. God, we just come to you tonight and we say, God, we want you to have our whole heart. And for some of us, we've been, we've been just holding back little areas. But tonight, God, we're saying you can have it all. We're saying we surrender. We're inviting you into every area into our worship, into our mind, into our body, into our treasure, into all of it, Lord. And we know that where you are, great things happen. You are the resurrected king. So Lord, would you use this offering tonight to do a mighty work for you and for you alone, and would you bless these cheerful givers as they worship you in giving. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen.